0: Forced Metaphors,
1: presented by Progressive. Bundle and
0: Protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or close it. He's in. A backhand on a by Tony Esposito. Stan McKee, was a small guy. Very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, And he puts that now. down. trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Perfect. out Chicago hockey insider Jay Zawaski. No more. Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Game off the boards. He shoots his going down to the Tames! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's gonna be in last place forever. To center for tames. By Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins in Law Group, Let's Drop the Puck.
1: Welcome in, friends. This is a post game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I am James Naveau from NBC Five, and with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of WBBM, of Odyssey, of the IMPAT Podcast. Of sexiest man alive 2014, Jay Zawaski. How's it going, buddy?
2: It was not, if that ever happened, it was not 2014. I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> that was in one of my fatter stages of life. Not that you can't be sexy and fat, which is the mindset of the I'm Fat podcast, but that's not the time. This is not the time for that sort of nonsense. The Hawks are 2 0 in the Derek King era. We're and- <laughs> going streaking, baby. <laughs> We've got to talk about it. Thanks for joining us on this post game podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Madhouse Pod, Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. We are at Madhouse Hockey Pod on Facebook. We're on Patreon. We got our T Public Shop. Uh, sales starting on Wednesday at our T Public Shop. And a new holiday design will be launched tomorrow. So keep your eye out for that in our T Public Shop. I think you're going to like it. Immortalizing a Black Hawk that we all know and we all love very, very much. Uh, just in time for the holiday season. So I think you'll check it out. And I think you'll like it, so make sure you check it out on our T Public Shop. That link is in all of our social media bios. And if you buy from our T Public Shop, use that link so we get help. Okay. Hawks win 3-2 in the shootout. Jonathan Taves and Alex DeBrinkett score for the Hawks in the shootout. Uh Marc-Andre Fleury is perfect in the shootout. And it's sort of strange, James, like to talk about this game. We have to kind of talk about it in two different Ways. It was almost like two games. There was the first and second period, and then there was the third period. And the first, and, and, and the game got gradually worse for the Hawks as it went on. Strong start, you know, got out to a 2 nothing lead with two goals in the second period one from Jujar and two, one from Seth Jones, both of them scoring their first goals as Blackhawks uh, in this game. And then once they got down 2 nothing. Pittsburgh really put their foot on the gas, and the ghost of Jeff Carter with two third-period goals. He was actually really good in this game. He was all over the place.
1: I completely forgot that he was uh, still kicking around the league, but I sh- I certainly don't forget now.
2: Yeah, 36 years old, Jeff Carter is still still, at least in this game, I haven't seen a ton of Penguins aside from the two games against the Hawks. Very, very effective, and again, two goals in this game. He was really good, um, but man, that overtime was awesome. And I know I, I don't love the three on three, but I, I can't deny that it's exciting as hell. You get a two on O with Kanan to brink it and they don't score. How many times out of a hundred is that going to happen?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, Alex Dabrinkit had a couple of really good chances in the overtime. He not only had the 2 on o that they didn't even manage to really get a shot off on, at least not a quality one. I think probably one too many passes, I think, probably occurred on that one. And then in the overtime, Kane was given a wide-open seam up the middle of the ice to go and kind of pick his spot and take a shot. And instead, he passed it to Dabrinkit, who promptly hit the puck off the heel of his stick. Yeah. It was not a... Uh, Overtime to remember for an Alex Debrinkit, that is for certain. But you know what? He made up for it in the shootout, scored the winner. We'll cut him some slack.
2: I think he had a great game otherwise, though. Eight shots on goal for Alex Debrinkit. He was one of the many Hawks that deserve praise in this one. And before we move on, can we please give a round of applause to Kelvin DeHaan? (laughs) <laughs> for sacrificing his life in oh, this game, man, that oh, dude, man. every puck found him. It was unbelievable. He got hit. It, I, let's see. I'm trying to look at his block shots. He got credited for four. I think four shots injured him to the point where he had to limp off the ice. He, had, he went back to the locker room during the game twice in this game yep. from blocking shots. Calvin Howe was absolutely giving everything he had Uh, to get this win so I know he didn't end up on the score sheet in any way shape or form but I find it really hard to not award him if we do three stars he's one of them for sure
1: well We have to give him either the Nick Jalmerson Memorial (laughs) Shot Blocker Return Award (laughs) or the Scott Sterling Prize, which I'm sure a lot of folks have seen those videos on the YouTubes of him just repeatedly being hit in the face by soccer balls. Yes. Essentially what happened to Calvin DeHaan tonight with hockey puck. I'm telling you, that puck he took off of his kneecap. Fairly certain my leg would have liquefied if that had ever happened to me. I think <laughs> yeah. I would I would not only not be playing hockey, I would probably be debating with myself whether or not it was even worth it to ever walk again after such a thing. And he just cool as a cucumber, just waltzes back out of the locker room and comes and skating again. It absolutely insane. That was definitely a high point of the game, and Dahan earned a lot of brownie points for how uh, tough he looked tonight.
2: So you know this game like we said started good and just kind of deteriorated as it went along. And look, anytime you've got a two-nothing lead, you know the other team is going to start taking some risks. They're going to start dictating the play a little bit. But that third period was all Pittsburgh and the Hawks. There's
1: a difference between dictating and dominating. That is for certain. And they
2: were being the Hawks were being dominated in the third period and and look, they they played really hard. They did everything they had to do to win. It almost looked like partially like they ran out of gas and i don't know if it's a little too early in the season for for that to be happening in my mind Uh, especially since they didn't play last night it just it just looked like the hawks got tired and i don't know if you have a little bit of mental fatigue from everything that's been going on lately from look the kyle beach thing feels like a lifetime ago that was two weeks ago right you had all that you've had the Fall out of the poor comments afterwards. The correction of the comments. You you were one nine and two. Your coach got fired. You have a new coach. You had an exciting win with the new. Co- like it's just been a roller coaster season for the Hawks so far, and I think you're seeing a little bit of fatigue. And I think that's a little bit of what was happening in the third period. And we should know by the way that this these Pittsburgh Penguins. If you did miss the game, this was not your mother's Pittsburgh Penguins. Sydney Crosby's out uh Evgeny Malkin's out they had a ton of guys out with COVID and with injuries so this is sort of the the Penguins B team and uh it took the Hawks till the very last minute to get this win but I think I want to kind of zoom out on this one instead of breaking down what went right what went wrong here I want to talk about the difference in the last two games between Derek King and Jeremy Colleton and and one thing that stood out to me after the game against Nashville is you had Patrick Kane, you had Jonathan Taves at the podium together talking about this. And they both several times used the term overthinking, right? They they referenced that a lot. Like, you know, it, it was nice to just be out there and kind of react and use our instincts and, and not overthink and, and that sort of thing. And that jotted, jogged my memory about something from a couple of years ago in 2019 Duncan Keith was a guest on the Spitting Chicklets podcast with uh, Paul Bissonnette, Ryan Whitney. And he was asked about his time with Joel Quenville and how it was comparing at that time to Jeremy Colleton. So I'm going to read the quote, and it's verbatim. So it's, it's going to be a little janky because Keith was just sort of, you know, shooting from the hip. So here's the quote from Keith probably one of the best things about Joel Quenville for myself and for the teams we had, he allowed us to play the game and not overthink it. Where I think sometimes the way it is now with Colleton, it seems like every little situation is already played out for you, laid out for you, how to play it. When to me in hockey, you got to be able to read and react and then and think quickly and be natural out there. That's kind of what I appreciated about Joel the most. So I reached out to a couple people who are better at Breaking down the systems of hockey than I am, and I said, "What has changed structurally since Derek King took over?" And both of them said nothing. They're playing the same system they played under Jeremy Collin, but they're moving the puck better. They're managing the puck better, and they're just they're they're just sort of handling everything better. It's like they're playing a more relaxed style which I think is really interesting. And, and, and King sort of said it. Sorry, James, that I'm rambling here. But King sort of said, like, it's going to take time to make any systemic changes. He can't come in with one practice and change everything overnight. Um, but I thought it was interesting that, that nothing has really changed, but they look like a different team. They're playing a completely different style of hockey, even though the system is very close to what they've been doing under Colleton for the last three years.
1: Um, I have a couple of thoughts on that. The first is that any uh, system installation that's going to happen will happen in the next week because between now and next Wednesday, they play a whopping one game. So that's definitely going to be an opportunity for Derek King to kind of install some concepts, uh, get some things together. The Blackhawks, if uh, fans aren't intimately familiar with the schedule, have a game on Friday against Arizona and then they hit the road. And so be- between now and... And Saturday, the 20th, the Blackhawks have two games in 11 days. So I think you're going to start to see some development of some new uh, systemic elements, I think, from Derek King. I don't think he's going to go crazy. I mean, it's one thing to kind of install some concepts and another to completely throw out a system and install a new one. I Don't think that's enough time for that to happen, but the Blackhawks will have adequate ability to tweak some things if they want to. So that's the first part of that. I would fully expect between – Friday's game against Arizona, and then when they take on, uh, I believe it's St. Louis. Nope, it uh, is I think, Seattle. Or, uh, Seattle, Seattle, sorry. I literally, I was looking at St. Louis, the Black Friday game, and it was one of those things, eyes look at word, word comes out of mouth, even <laughs> though it's not correct. So yes, Seattle, next Wednesday. So I think there will be some installation going on between now and then, and I think you'll see some new elements of their kind of strategy in the way they approach games. So there's that element. The second is that I do agree with you in terms of the relaxation element. I feel like there was a kind of a pall over the team, not just because of the Kyle Beach thing. That's obviously going to have a big impact on the players because it's just such a heinous and awful story and just a lot of negative uh, energy around the team, and rightfully so, of course. But I think that... Another contributing element to some of that was the fact that it just felt so inevitable that Jeremy Colleton was – his time was running short. He was inevitably going to be let go, and they were just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop, and now that it finally has – there's this seeming relaxation on the part of everybody. And that does include Derek King, who has been loquacious and gregarious and outgoing and funny during his press availabilities. And he's just been brutally honest too, which we've appreciated all of those things about him. And we kind of alluded to those things before he even took over behind the bench for the Blackhawks. That was probably going to be a change. And I do think that the players are, Feeding off of that. And I do think that it's benefiting them uh, to a great extent to have him in that position. The last thing I will say um, about the kind of relaxation and the better play is I will point out. I do agree with you that the numbers didn't necessarily tell the same story as the action on the ice during the first two periods of the game. The Corsi numbers were not great for the Blackhawks in those two periods, but I thought they played better than those numbers would seem to indicate. That third period, I know that teams are going to obviously throw everything against the wall when it comes to trying to best a team that they're down two goals to in the third period, but Mm -hmm. that was – a complete let off the gas by the Blackhawks and I think I have a theory about this it's because they were running a short bench they were playing guys a lot of minutes tonight if you go through their box score and you look at some of the time on ice Adam Gaudet played five minutes tonight Reese Johnson played six minutes tonight Mike Hardman played eight minutes tonight Philip Kureshev who by the way Zero Corsi 4, 15 against tonight. Remarkably bad night for Philip Kurashev tonight. 10 minutes of play. So I will point out that the reason that they look gassed, and I think the reason the Penguins were able to dictate the pace and to do what they were doing is because the Blackhawks seemed awfully spent after those two periods, I think, as a matter of deployment. And then I also want to point out that Eric Gustafson had a whopping two shifts in the third period of the game, and that's with Calvin Dehan getting repeatedly assaulted by the puck. <laughs> um, yes. So th- the fact that that happened, and Gustafson still only had two shifts, Wyatt Kalnuk's taking your spot, buddy. Yeah, that, he's, that's uh, just yep. he is dead man walking right now. Gustafson, I think, is completely done, and I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. I agree with it, um, but I would say that the thing Derek King is going to have to kind of keep in mind as they. Get through this stretch where they're not playing much, it's not going to be as big of an issue, but then coming out of it, he's going to have to manage some workloads a little bit, I think. And I know that the temptation is going to be there to have Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane both play over 25 minutes. The temptation is going to be to have Jonathan Taves mount a lot of minutes because he's been playing so well lately he's going to have to try to find a little bit better of a balance. And that is going to mean that some guys are going to have to step up and to play bigger roles. And I think one of the guys, I can't believe I'm about to say these words. One of the guys that is probably earning himself some more playing time is Dylan Strom, who only played 11 minutes tonight, but won seven of nine faceoffs and has looked really solid for the Blackhawks. I think in a center role, that is a guy that I'm guessing, is going to be an integral part of any type of load sharing or load maintenance that's going to happen moving forward.
2: Yeah, I, I think that um, he is the guy who is probably the most relieved that he gets to wipe the slate clean, and he talked about that today before the game, and um, and Derek King has talked about Dylan Strom a little bit. N- nothing on the score sheet. No shots on goal, no hits, nothing, no shot attempts for Strom, um, but but in the game against Nashville, he was effective you're right, only 11 minutes of ice time. And you talk about load management. Let's go down the sheet here. And, of, of course, there was a full overtime, so it's going to skew things a little bit. But Seth Jones, 31-24. Connor Murphy, 28-30. Jake McKay played 19 minutes. Debrinkett played 27-29. Taves played 21 minutes. Uh, Pat, uh, Kirby Dock played 25-46. Patrick Kane played 26-25. That's not doable every night. And I think as Derek King kind of learns this roster, um, he's going to find out who he can trust and who he can't. Interestingly, Jujar Kara, 1748 of ice time in this game. Indeed. And I think I I, I like. I think he's a little more effective than I thought he was. Like him and Taves and Kubalik has been kind of a decent line. I haven't minded that line at all. Um, and Kara, of course, getting the goal. He's got... I don't want to say he's got soft hands, but he's got the ability when he's set up easily to put the puck in the net. He brings some physicality. He he's not over he's not fast, but I don't think he's overly slow.
1: Wait, are you talking about Brandon Hagel or Jujar Kara uh,
2: I'm not going there yet,
1: and, <laughs> and I'm just I'm giving you crap that I just I had to say that.
2: No, I know, but it, you know we don't know what the deal is with Hagel yet, and it's weird they're like not really saying they're like oh we'll have more news tomorrow. Well, they have to know. And then I did Eddie O say tonight that it was going to be four to six weeks, but was he was also talking about Mackenzie Entwistle like in the same conversation? So I don't know if Foley got twisted up about who he was talking about. I but
1: think I think that's the case. They I hope they so. had made it sound like Hegel is not going to be a long term thing, and they did put Whistle on LTIR today. So I think that. If Hegel needed that, I think he would have been put on LTIR as well. So I don't think the four to six week timetable was applicable to him.
2: Well, I hope not. Uh, also, yeah, you mentioned why Kellen like he came off the uh, injured list today, and and one thing you said too that I think that I think the fact that everyone knew that Calton was going to get fired, it was just in, like you said. Though I think you used the word inevitable. Everybody knew it. Everybody was waiting for the shoe to drop. It finally did, so I think everyone can exhale and say, okay, here we are now. This is what it's going to be for the rest of the year, right? You already know it's going to be Derek King to play out the rest of the season. That's what Kyle Davidson said. Um, so now guys are just kind of like, everything that was hanging over is now been revealed or fired or gone or whatever. So I think now they can just focus on playing hockey, right? And I think that's probably the best thing for them. And you have seen. I don't want to give Derek King all the credit for this, but they are just playing a looser style. They just don't look so tight and so afraid to make a mistake. And I don't know. It just they just they undercount and they just look so tentative. And again, I, I want to go back to that term overthinking because you could see them thinking on the ice back then, right? Like what's the right thing to do? And when, whenever you're hesitant, I keep going back to that play. In the Winnipeg game, where Calvin Dehan like threw the puck from like right in front of his own crease.
1: Wait, it didn't hit him, did it?
2: No, no, he actually had the puck this time. Oh, okay. But he, he passed it through center ice and it got intercepted. And then his instinct was, I'm gonna go chase the puck, and then obviously got caught flat footed and had to start go backwards, and then it was over and they scored. Like that's a good example. Calvin Hans, a veteran player who doesn't do stuff like that typically, right? He's not a guy who's going to make a mental error or take a risk that he shouldn't take. But when you see guys thinking too much and try, and I think like trying too hard is a, is a way to put it too, mm-hmm. I think that's when you get those brain dead mistakes that happen. And I think just with everything sort of being cleared now from Kyle and Bowman to the Kyle Beach thing coming out to everyone talking about it, and the news cycle not really moving on but i think what's going to happen from here on out with kyle beach is going to be between the blackhawks front office the national hockey league and i think the players are probably done dealing with it short of something specific coming about uh, about his experience here so i don't know I, i think they just looked a little bit more relaxed a little more loose and uh you know i think that if they can keep that going, I think this, this win was big to not. I will really- also
1: point out that we did mention this seemed like a get right type of stretch of games for Chicago against a shorthanded penguins team against a Nashville team that is ki- still kind of trying to find its footing. And now on Friday against an Arizona team that is beyond putrid, Like this is a stretch to get right. And then the road trip that's going to be coming up is going to be, the big kind of debut test for Derek King because of some of the teams that kind of loom in that stretch. So I do, I feel like we do need to kind of keep that in context and to remember just exactly who they're doing these things against.
2: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Kent Simpson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook county state's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, and buses, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence, and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves, with millions recovered for their clients. Sinsin Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. So call for a free consultation, 312 332 2107 or visit cinsonlawgroup.com don't go offsides, go top shelf call now 312-332-2107 or cinsonlawgroup.com james before we took the break you talked about the blackhawks upcoming schedule and arizona at the end of the week they've got, they finally picked up their first win that's a big one Right, that that's applause. a game. That's a that's a game the Hawks absolutely have to win. Yes. Then it's the Kraken, who are not the Vegas Golden Knights,
1: <laughs> kind of a middling team. I would I would term them.
2: They are four seven and one, so they have one more point than the Blackhawks, uh, but they're you know they're, they've performed a little bit better than them. After that, it gets a little bit tougher. Ooh. You've got the Oilers, you've got the Canucks, Knights. Flames, Blues, Sharks, Caps. Rangers Islanders so that's the next little bit of hockey there a lot of Eastern Conference opponents uh which is interesting um but the, these next two Arizona and Seattle you get those wins you got four wins in a row heading into the road trip and, and into a
1: really tough stretch of games
2: yeah definitely and, and a
1: condensed stretch too I will point out
2: yeah they play set they play Edmonton the 20th Vancouver the 21st Calvary the 23rd so that's three games and four nights and then they play the blues on the 26th so it's going to be a, In
1: a weird nationally televised 11 a.m start i think or is it no it's noon it's a noon start
2: yep oh speaking of that friday's game before you tweet at us where's the game it's only available on espn plus and hulu so if you've not subscribed to espn plus it's like $4.99 a month. You get a yep. million hockey games every day. Uh, to me, it's totally worth it. But if you want to watch the Hawks, you've got to have ESPN Plus or Hulu to watch them. So just Their no- next
1: two games, by the way, are national televised exclusives. It'll be on ESPN Plus and Hulu for Friday. And then next Wednesday is going to be on TNT against the Kraken.
2: Yeah. So just be, be aware of those things coming up. All right. So that's it man i think the hawks win two in a row let's leave on a happy note let's leave on a high note and hope that they can take advantage of these next two um, winnable games against arizona and seattle coming up Um, but i appreciate everybody joining us james thanks for uh, staying up late and getting this one done we'll talk to you all next time on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: the madhouse chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by fry the coop triple threat sports and by the sins in law group i'm amira rose davis historian and co-host of the sports podcast burn it all down and now i'm hosting the new season of american prodigy all about black girls in gymnastics For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.